0: There'll be a bit of background noise here because people are getting home from work and shouting at their kids and beating their kids and their kids are beating them back and it's like a, yeah, it's England.
1: <laughs> that should be in the travel literature. Yeah,
0: <laughs> beating their kids. It's England. Okay, it
1: is episode four of Jim yep. and... And, and ben, pack, pack really interrupt interrupting each other. Thanks. Yes. Okay, I want to get right into talking about outer space again, because I don't think we talked Good. about outer space that much last podcast. No,
0: because we talked about it entirely for episode two.
1: Right. And I, we, we won't spend as much time on it this time, but I was kind of disheartened. And these were all things that I knew w- would be issues anyway, but the prospects were illuminated by a recent episode of the science show with um what's his face you know science Hank green yes and um and going to mars manned missions to mars mm-hmm. um and all the obstacles that they have to overcome regarding radiation and fuel just the ridiculous amount of fuel
0: yeah the propulsion propulsion problems. and
1: radiation so yep um
0: they should use the radiation to propel them through some kind of that's what i was thinking
1: and like really yeah radiate like hook a bunch of a huge microwave up to the back and i don't know i don't know where i'm well,
0: going. well no they the, see the funny thing is that is actually a feasible form of propulsion you it's called solar sailing uh, you have, a sh- because light has mass, when it hits an object, it actually imparts some of its momentum when it's absorbed. So if you have just uh, an object in space and it's hit by a photon of light, it is moved ever so slightly. So the thing you can do is if you have a huge sail, literally a sail, a very, very light material uh, and attach that to a spacecraft, then the, all the light hitting that will push the spacecraft. Unfortunately, it's very slow and the the advantage of it though is you don't need to take your fuel. You're literally sailing like in a sailing ship on the ocean.
1: Couldn't you also use that in tandem with some sort of solar energy gathering um thing so that, you know, it's 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 the equivalent of having a sailboat with a motor on the back of it.
0: Well, it it's yeah, I suppose you could put solar panels on the um on the sails but if you're turning some of the energy into electricity are you sacri- are you sacrificing some of the energy of motion like if you absorb it and turn it into electricity does that make it no longer push you as far i don't know because energy is conserved you know i suppose the alternative is you just heat up the solar sail so I'm not sure.
1: It just it seems very because of the radiation concern time is a definite factor, right? So Yeah,
0: ready like a lot, like all kind of toxicity it's all about dosage. You know, you can take a small amount of radiation constantly because your body can repair itself from small damages. It's when it takes too much at once that it can't handle it and it you know, then you die of radiation sickness and it's terrible.
1: And what about what's a better insulator from radiation than lead
0: well it's uh the thing i think we should more uh clearly go over the actual problem here is uh because not everyone is going to have seen we'll link to the uh to the episode of SciShow, but not everyone will have seen it yet so the issue is that on the trip to mars you're getting outside the van allen belt and stuff and so there's all this radiation coming from the sun and radiation coming from outside the solar system which is just gonna you know give you cancer and kill you. Um, and because it takes, I don't know, months at the very least, like I think it's like eight months or something, at the small shortest estimate to get to Mars, you're going to basically die of radiation sickness. And even if you s- stack on like 30 feet of water, it's not going to be enough to stop the cosmic rays because they're coming in so fast and so energetically. So like you said, you said, isn't something... Can't you just use lead? The problem with lead is it's kind of heavy. <laughs> you need to launch that into orbit, you know?
1: Yeah, I mean, you'd have to do it piecemeal and then construct whatever human encapsulating component of the ship. Um,
0: yeah, I, I mean, you could use, like, some more heavy elements, but the the problem is just that more of a lighter element will, would do the same as less of a heavier one.
1: So just more aluminum...
0: Or more water see the advantage of carrying water is you need it anyway, and you can use it to uh to drink and then to put your drinking water back into you know piss in the pool
1: you'll be uh, you'll be drinking irradiated water though
0: yes, but something isn't uh see something isn't dangerous if it's been exposed to radiation necessarily it depends it's it's like when you put something in the microwave you're exposing it to radiation, but it's not becoming radioactive it's like if you if your hand was in the microwave if you break the front put your hand in there then you'll get problems with your hand not just cuz of the heat but um there's a practice of uh, sterilizing food with radiation which is using actually like deadly radiation to kill bacteria and stuff in food and people are afraid of that because they think it makes the food radioactive it doesn't because it's temporary you know the effect is not; it doesn't change the matter. It just kills the life. Um, so, irradiating the water won't necessarily make it radioactive. That's the point.
1: So we should we should dump a big bucket of water on Chernobyl and hope for the best.
0: No, because that's already that is actually radioactive. That's not. Um, anyway, that, <laughs> what, they actually what they,
1: bucket are you going to get? That's going to they actually cover? did that. That's what they
0: did when oh. it was when it was yeah when it was uh, melting down. They sent guys in there with token lead outfits, which were completely inadequate to hose it down, you know, um, to cool it down. And, uh, they died terribly.
1: They should have, everybody should have jumped into the fridge that, um, that Indiana Jones. Oh wait, that's a, is that a spoiler? It happens right at the beginning. It doesn't. Of the...
0: It doesn't matter if it's a spoiler because the movie it's...
1: itself spoiled Indiana Jones. So I yeah, don't think
0: exactly. So fuck the movie. Yeah. And anyway, everyone knows about that. It was so infamous, you know, because he would be chunky salsa in that thing, the way it was bounced around.
1: The other thing, though, is that
0: oh, of course, it wouldn't protect from the radiation, but you know. That you can kind of look past because we don't know much about radiation, but you know what happens if you get into a metal box and drop it off a cliff. You get hit by the metal boxes inside when you hit the ground. It's like being hit with a metal box.
1: That was one of those new pillow lines.
0: It's it's as, it's as absurd as if they dropped the fridge on him at that speed and then shown him getting up. That's exactly as stupid as it was. Yeah. You
1: know. But it's not the first time. There are there are a lot of unlikely things that happen in Indiana Jones. Even the Indiana Jones movies that people love, um, just some liberties taking taken with physics.
0: That no, this isn't this isn't taking a liberty. This is like uh, uh,
1: uh, this is this is pulling down your pants and taking a shit all over physics.
0: It's it's a person suddenly being five hundred feet tall with no reason. You might, you know, if you're going to break things that badly, why not just do that? You know, why not just have someone die on screen and have a, you know, a tearful scene and then just suddenly he's back in the next scene with no explanation. And everyone would be like, oh, stop criticizing it. It's just a movie. It's like, no, that's ridiculous. You can't do that. But for some reason, when it's physics, people like say, oh, who cares? You know, just let it off. It's a movie.
1: Well, it's cartoon physics. You know, people don't criticize cartoons. Because it's,
0: That's because there's an implied unreality to a cartoon.
1: I know, but theres a, I think there's more of an implied unreality to Indiana Jones than people are giving it credit for.
0: Mm. Yeah, but it doesn't make that clear enough, I don't think. I
1: mean, some of the going over waterfalls and boats and things like that from the previous movies, it's possible that if they had done this in a way that he gets in the fridge. The bomb goes off. There's a very steep hill that he hits at exactly the right angle that allows that inertia to be slowly uh, enveloped by or or mitigated by the descent down the hill like a ski jumper. Uh, he'd,
0: he'd have to fall into, like... Pudding or something. Yeah, you know, a pudding. Some mill. kind of substance that, Snow. that slows him down. <laughs> it's so nuc- G4-
1: nuclear winter happens in the time before the bomb explodes. While and- the explode. I. the while- thing about
0: nuclear winter, it doesn't happen when the fire starts. No, it's is immediate. It's- <laughs> right. It's
1: this immediate new nuclear winter that, that right. happens so, between so the time it explodes fixing- and the time he hits ground on this pro- ski slope that just happens to be there in the middle of uh, Area 51.
0: So your proposition to fix the problems with the physics is to make it worse. It's
1: to make it worse, of course, yeah. Yeah.
0: See, the thing is, it's not... You don't watch Indiana Jones with the uh, sense that you're watching Tom and Jerry. You watch Tom and Jerry, and you see, you know, Jerry about to smack Tom on the head with a hammer. You don't think, oh, my God, he's about to kill Tom. You don't think that. You think, oh, we're about to see a hilarious slapstick reaction where nobody ever dies. Right. That's the difference. In Indiana Jones, they try to sell you that that there's uh, suspense and danger to these characters, and then they make them indestructible. It's a, it's a bait and switch, and it's, just, it's a trick, and I don't like that.
1: But they've been doing it throughout the series, and the Angry Video Game Nerd even produced a video outlining all the places that, in the movies that we love, that they did it as well.
0: Name me one thing that was as egregious as The Fridge.
1: I'm not arguing that it isn't terrible and egregious, but it doesn't bother me nearly as much as just Shia LaBeouf's presence in the
0: movie. Who?
1: Shia LaBeouf, the, the kid,
0: the oh. son. Um, I, d- I haven't even seen that uh, oh. Crystal Skull movie. so Oh, yeah, well. but I But I know that there's The Fridge scene because... It's infamous, you
1: know. Okay, well, there's so much. Maybe we save that for a future podcast episode, just talking about how terrible that is. But I agree. I I don't disagree with you. I agree. It is, it is bad, but the movie has much, much greater demons to conquer, I think. <laughs> okay, so let's get this out of the way. Recently, we held the second video game Mouth Sounds Whatever contest. This time, it was a game of Jim's choosing, and the game was Postal 2. Um, several of you got it right. We have still yet to guess my game, but uh, the con- that contest remains open. But anyway, Postal 2. We have three people who guessed right, and Jim will now read out the winners in order of how soon they guessed. Jim?
0: The winner is Emmanuel. In second place, Laffer35. And in third place chef
1: okay so congrats to all you guys who won i hope that your prize was everything you dreamed it would be
0: so you were talking about the difficulty of getting to Mars and the other issue is fuel in the if you, the trouble is you have to take your fuel with you so that makes you need more fuel uh, and it's exponential and it's it just becomes a real problem to try to get there in any length of time that isn't going to kill you and the whole gist of the videos I understand it was that it's pretty much more difficult than we thought and it's kind of unfeasible if we're going to be safe that's the thing well
1: he's yeah right and he's put some year predictions out there that you know he was like well I don't think it'll happen in the next 15 years and yeah. 15 years is like not very much time at all like you know, if if you give it 50 years and it happens, that's still really soon, given the obstacles that need to be surmounted.
0: The problem is that there there isn't really a good enough reason for the big governments of the world to put that much money into it. The reason we went to the moon was not for science and exploration. It was because we were competing. Well, we, you, <laughs> the US, were competing. Yeah, I with was competing. The USSR. You were doing it, yeah. Anyway, uh, the point is that it's like Neil Tyson says, there are three reasons that humans spend that much money on something. It's either to make more money or for war or for religion or ideological reasons. And we don't have an ideology or uh, of, of that strength which cares that much about exploration. And it's not profitable and we're not at war. So it's not going to happen.
1: Tribalism and survival, basically, is what you can... Yeah. uh, But, you know, the other thing I thought about, what if we had a manned mission to Mars that was a reality show?
0: Well, that's what Mars One is going to do. Hank talked about that in his uh, thing. They're selling the broadcast rights. That's one of the ways they're going to fund it. They're going to make it a reality show. But it's still the budget of a reality show is not the income of a reality show is even one as popular as that wouldn't unlo- undoubtedly be is not going to be enough to pay for the no but it could trip. it could help I mean see I d- I just don't think we have the uh, the stomach for it we don't have the stomach anymore for the risks you know uh, it, it, the the thing is if we sent people to Mars they would probably die uh, so we'd need to send like ten ships, and maybe one of them would make it, or maybe half of them would, but that's probably still better odds than people who went across the Atlantic uh, in the days of Columbus. You know, they could have very easily died, and a lot of explorers did die, and we used to have more yeah, lots of,
1: risk. Yeah, lots of people died in, in Columbus's expedition, even. Right. Uh. Yeah, it was a very treacherous journey and they knew that or at least they had a a fairly decent idea that when they got where they were going that there would still be air and maybe right. something to eat you know
0: well that's that's, that's just why you send a, you send f- forward the the uh the supplies ahead of time but i think if people had the attitudes now that they had back then people would do it i'm not saying it's a good thing that we value life more than we used to. I'm just saying that that's one thing that's different about now, which makes us much less likely to do it. It's, in our culture, at least I think China is much more likely to, to try it than, than the U S is. And if anything, that will be what emboldens the U S to go there because they would be like, well, if China's going to have a military base on Mars, then we need one too.
1: I, I think we should start with a moon base. We know we can get yeah. there. We know what's going on over there. just, get a moon base going you know i don't know yeah i agree if they would if it would be boring for the people there like what they could do from the moon base and they would have to be very i mean cuz you're getting radi- more radiation on the is the moon protected by the belts
0: i'm not sure to some extent but there's still a lot of radiation there there's no significant magne- there's no magnetic field that's the problem of the thing that protects um, protects us the most is the magnetic field of the Earth, right? They'd need to have some. They probably need to dig underground a bit.
1: What's the situation with the magnetic field of of on Mars? Is it? I, I mean, I know there's you're you're much more susceptible to radiation.
0: I think it's either weak or non-existent. Oh, really? Right. It it doesn't have a magnetic field, but it probably did in the past, which means that its core. It's probably it's probably no longer molten uh, because the molten core of Earth is what creates the magnetic field
1: and how long do they give our core to keep being molten oh,
0: billions of years at least i I don't know the numbers but it's it takes a long time for that longer than we have to worry about basically
1: us personally but
0: it's partly because our planet is much bigger so there was just more more of it to cool down
1: who else has a decent magnetic field? Uh, or do we even? Can we even gauge that? Just send a bunch of iron filings out into space and see what they stick to.
0: <laughs> you can you can do better than that. I, I would expect that some of the moons of Jupiter do because, well, for one thing, they uh, Io has a molten core and a molten surface mostly. Um, maybe Mercury does. I don't know. But the tr- the, the problem with uh, Io is that even though it ha- probably has a magnetic field, it's not enough to offset the radiation from Jupiter. Jupiter is just huge in the sky. Yeah, and it just
1: it would cook you. Big, massive ball of terribleness.
0: You should be a poet, man. Yeah. So they found a. I was going to say um, a couple of other space things. They
1: found a face on Mars. No, 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 no. shut up. It was uh, a drawing <laughs> that the that the rover did. Like they were just screwing around one day. It when-
0: drew, it, it just did a circle and then two dots. Yeah, right. It,
1: yeah. Well, it's little uh, a smiley face probe, on Mars. Yeah, it's little probe that came out and took soil samples.
0: Yeah, it took two big clumps of soil samples next to each other. The in guy, the, line.
1: the guy who, uh, the janitor at NASA, showed up late one night when nobody else was around and started screwing around with the joystick that controls the probe.
0: Yeah, because I'm sure they just leave it all unlocked and they, they work around the clock. You know, because Mars has like a 26 hour day or something.
1: Well, if they work around the clock, then, then that means that they constantly need to have that room cleaned out. And, you know, maybe he goes in there and he's like, oh, I've got this. Yeah, go, go. you know, go have a shower. You've been here for days.
0: Yeah. Also, they don't control it remotely like that because...
1: No, it's a joystick. It's just a joystick. Even
0: if if there was... That's how they funded, like 10 they, minutes they funded it. With... They funded
1: it by telling people how fun it would be if if you could, you know... Drive this little thing around with a...
0: It takes 10 minutes for a signal to get there or something. It's not a very that, fun
1: game. That's the one thing they over-exaggerated was how... how What so the, frame yeah. <laughs> the frame rate would be. The frame rate is one every 10 minutes.
0: No, no, no. The frame rate is fine. You just get it back oh, 10 minutes later. It's like watching my stream when you're talking to me. You're like, waiting. you think that's long?
1: But it kind of would be one every 10 minutes because you wouldn't... You'd push it forward and then wait 10 minutes to see what happened. You know, you wouldn't go about recklessly, right. sort of.
0: You, yeah, but if, you, if it started rolling down a hill, you'd be like, oh, that happened 10 minutes ago. What do I do now? Yeah, yeah. yeah.
1: You, what I do now is uh, wipe my fingerprints off the joystick and get back to cleaning out these trash cans.
0: <laughs> yeah, so one thing I heard recently about um, space is that uh, planets may be able to form without stars. Like, cause if you imagine the way a star system forms, it's just a load of shit falling together from gravity. But if you start with a smaller amount of stuff, it won't form a star in the middle, it'll just form a planet. And so there could be, you know, thousands more planets than stars just floating out in interstellar space. Rogue planets just out there. And that's kind of interesting. Cause it just people always assume that planets are a thing of a solar system. But it could be that they're more commonly just out there on their own. It just, sort of just changes your whole perception of how the universe is.
1: Now, some of these things that are hanging out at the outer reaches of the of the galaxy, I mean, of the solar system with, with Pluto, um, we see some, and then, oh, here's some more, and I think, you know, some of them went somewhere else. Um, could those have been... Just sort of rogue bodies that were picked up. Yeah, in my very scientific assessment of all this bullshit that we no no that no just, that, that,
0: <laughs> that is something that's possible, but I think it's kind of unlikely because of the relative velocities that they'd have. It would it would probably just go straight past or uh, just be slingshotted away in another direction, and just because of the, the vast distances of interstellar space. You know uh, it would be very unlikely that any two bodies would meet just by chance very often at least
1: well they're predicting that in um, 2017 that another planet with life on it's just going to fly right past us who's predicting that then we need to wave at it because they'll they'll be waving at us
0: right who who's predicting this? Some crane?
1: Uh, oh no! The the scientists, the the top, all the top scientists. Oh, all the
0: scientists are predicting it. Yeah, I notice you don't name any names. Oh, uh, Tyson. Yeah, right.
1: Tyson Chicken.
0: I demand a c- citation needed, Pack Billy. Tyson Brand Chicken. Um, what what are you talking about?
1: There's a chicken company here called Tyson Chicken. Is, is it a company that's that's very cowardly? It's cowardly in its in its predictions of which planets are gonna come whizzing by in twenty seventeen. All right, that's everything. That is that is, that is you space. now have a PhD in outer space. So go go <laughs> forth a, a subject and colonize for the rest of the solar system, especially the gas giants. Go out right now and colonize the gas giant. How do you colonize a gas giant? That's what that's what that's what these PhDs are gonna to have to figure out. That's why we need PhDs who know about space, and that's why we've just told them. So now that you There's know... There's stand on. Well, you don't know that.
0: I do know that. Eventually, there might
1: joints. be something. We we talked about this in a previous... There might right, be yeah. some something to stand on. Yeah, and plus, the if there is it, nothing to a, stand on, on, then, they, then they'd, be be smeared on, they'd, they'd be, be on. flying around. No, they'd they, be falling. It'd be like the Jetsons. The colonies would be like the Jetsons, where everything's like, uh, just hovering out there.
0: You remember, you remember the uh, the Cloud City from Empire Strikes Back.
1: Yes, Cloud City. They don't
0: really, they don't really point it out, but that's at the, at the near the top of a gas giant.
1: Yeah. Okay. So go, take your PhD out into space and make develop anti gravity. Yeah. Yeah, and you'll get to wear a blue cape.
0: Yeah, make make type C, type three civilization technology. That's yeah. Just skip over types one and two and just type start three. Galactic technology. Civilization
1: involves the wearing of a blue cape. In space. No. It was a blue cape, wasn't it? He had a blue no, shirt. That's not and what and the, the blue... types
0: mean. That's not what. Yeah, Lando. Lando. <laughs> He's
1: from Cloud City. That's what they do. That's how they. That is the pinnacle of their technology. They they sure they made cities that can float and had all these things that looked like uh, ships that looked like two irons next to each other or whatever clothes irons or whatever they looked like shoehorns flying around next to each other. Look it up. Those cloud city spaceships look like shoehorns.
0: Oh right, yeah, yeah, yeah. But That's true. but
1: they didn't really go to the next level of civilization until they started all wearing these blue, these blue capes.
0: But they didn't all wear them, just Lando wore them.
1: No, no, no. The rest of them were, they had them put away. They only brought them out for, for, um, uh, ceremonies, you know, like somebody's getting married, somebody's dying, somebody's inhaling a new kind of gas that they've discovered in the giant. There's a ceremony for that. There's the cape ceremony. And Lando just wore his all the time because he couldn't be But The bothered. thing is,
0: if you wear a cape, you can't have a slogan on the back of your T-shirt and have people see it. Because like, Lando no, actually had he did Lando have... actually had on his back, he had written, uh, Darth Vader is here. Uh, but he forgot that he'd put his cape on, so he thought he was warning Han. But he was like, he was like dude, they arrived right before you did. I'm sorry. Didn't you read my T-shirt? He's like, no, you're wearing the blue cape of ceremony or something. His
1: shirt's on the back said, "Colt forty-five works every time."
0: Stormtroopers, I must tell the others. Oh no, I've been shot.
1: That's what C C-3PO. three uh, PO's t shirt said.
0: <laughs> I've been, oh no, I've been shot. Yeah, it's just, and it's just on his torso because his arms and legs have been removed. He's, he's got he.
1: They could have given him like a a tank top. <laughs> <laughs> like a wife beater, <laughs> like oil stains on it. Um, for those of you who don't know what a wife beater is, it's the name we give to a t shirt. Um, that that's just like a white, um, undershirt that is uh has no. I don't. What's the proper name for that? What do you call those?
0: I don't know because we don't have them. <laughs> a vest,
1: string vest. I think. Vest is a much less offensive term than wife beater. But you know, I didn't even give that term a second thought until It's
0: a, it's it's only slightly offensive.
1: No, I don't I I don't think it's 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 a sexist term. I think it's derogatory it toward those who might wear that. It's casting aspersions on the character of the person who chooses to go around in one of those things and nothing else. I mean obviously pants.
0: See and over here pants means underwear. Well that's so. what
1: I was actually saying it in the okay. in the UK term. So
0: yeah, you're mixing up the American term for a vest with the English term for underpants. Or
1: underpants, yeah. Okay, so that is space. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you know what? We can segue right into this without any obvious
0: by saying let's by, segue. by saying let's segue.
1: let's segue into it. Um,
0: yeah, which means, have you ridden on a segue?
1: No, I haven't. Have do, you? Do you want to? I would. I would. I would like to just. They have some at the shopping mall nearby. Really. And I I would like to just push one of the security guards off of his and and <laughs> wheel around on it for just just to see what it's like, you know.
0: The security guards are on segways. The
1: security guards are on segways. Yeah.
0: Does that actually help them get about like do they chase down criminals with their segway and their and their stick
1: I don't know I don't know that there's much for them to do you like, know it's like I, a
0: version of road road rash with segways <laughs> Oh wow yeah
1: so there's a big segway criminal population you know like segways <laughs> yeah. with big tires on them and and loud exhaust yeah. And uh, and they terrorized the shopping malls, of course.
0: Yeah. And and the illegal Segway uh, criminal organization, they're always changing the subject in uh, unlawful ways. <laughs> right. From
1: the backs of those...
0: <laughs> why do those two words mean the same thing? Um, I mean, mean different... Why are there two different meanings for that one word? And it's the same... Well,
1: I think they called it Segway because you're segueing from being on foot to riding in a motorized vehicle without it's sort of halfway between walking. I have no idea. I'm making all this yeah, up. Yeah, I have yeah, no yeah. clue.
0: See, that's the title of this, this podcast. Yeah. <laughs> I'm making all this up. I have no clue. Right.
1: But let's, let's go back to our original segue which is in from space. Into space games, uh, getting it wrong, Mm -hmm. which I think so many games that have come out recently that are supposed to be recreating the experience of space flight. And I'm not talking about from a, a proper physics point of view. I'm just talking about creating an experience for the player that puts them into a spaceship. There's X3, there's free space... There's, uh, there's several of them. Many of them heralded in by the success of Frontier, I would say. Yeah. The problem I have with most of them, and this is something that game designers have, have let fall by the wayside to a large extent in recent years, is that they don't pay very much mind to the trappings of creating the aesthetics for the player of what, it would be to sit in the cockpit, which I think is where you can derive a lot of enjoyment from one of those games. Um,
0: a lot of it for you has to do with the cockpit, doesn't it? No, it's not just it's did. not
1: just the cockpit. I think I was thinking I just about this cockpit, cockpit. Yeah, yeah. Which is yeah. Every time I pull my pants down, that's what. <laughs> which is all the time. 'cause in yeah. space, of course, wearing a vest
0: no no, no one can hear your you in space,
1: yeah, no one can hear your shame <laughs> uh, not just what it's like to be in the cockpit, you know a lot of these space games like Eve Online present a third person view, which mm. completely pulls you out of the experience it works with with an avatar in a in a world. Like, um, you know, like in World of Warcraft. You're talking
0: exclusively about games where you're a single pilot in control of a ship.
1: It's about the experience of inhabiting that ship and commanding that ship.
0: So what I'm saying is if you're like if you're not playing a guy in the pilot seat and instead you're playing somebody who is like a general in charge of a fleet of ships. That's a different kind of game.
1: Yeah, well that's more of a strategy thing. I'm right, I'm, so I'm like talking home, about You're
0: not criticizing like Homeworld. No, for I'm I'm an talking about
1: things where That's what I'm trying to. you are an inhabitant of a ship whether you're a captain of that ship with that has many people on it or you're a lone pilot. Um
0: Right. So having, did you ever play Bridge Commander or see it?
1: Uh that's where you Tell uh, a bridge to to span a body of water and let people cross over it so that they can get to the other piece of land on the other side. Yes. Okay, no, and that it's, is it's, it's space it's the, game. No. <laughs>
0: Go ahead. No, in Bridge Commander, you're you're in the captain's seat of a of a Federation starship, and you're you're not controlling the buttons yourself, but you can. You know, issue orders. Everything and- that's going on is on the view screen, actually the view screen in front of you, and you, like, talk to... You use the mouse, but you're only using the mouse to look at people and talk to them because you're giving orders because the captain doesn't press his own buttons. He says, lock, lock phasers on that ship and open fire, you know, and stuff. Um, yeah. So what do you think of that? That sounds,
1: that sounds really cool, and I was actually... As much attention needs to be paid to the trappings that aid the experience... And make it more fun, and not so much distilling it down to the basic gameplay components um, because it gives it a sense that it's just over edited
0: okay, you want you want the you want the immersion you're talking the about immersion,
1: immersion yeah, the immersion right. the 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 tactile right. uh, the feeling of being in that cockpit when I think
0: okay, so I think I understand what you're saying now. You're saying that if the setting of the game is a pilot in front in his cockpit. Then the aesthetic and the, and the appearance of the game should reflect that.
1: Yes. But yes. if
0: you're in a game like Homeworld, where you're a, a general, a commander in charge of a whole fleet of ships, then it doesn't make sense to have you in front of a cockpit. It, exactly. That would actually be yeah. the wrong. Yeah. So what you're saying is not necessarily this aesthetic is right, this view of things is right. You're just saying it has to match up with the premise of the game i don't
1: i don't i'm not saying it has to match up i'm not saying it's only right to do it one way i'm saying it's a it's a missed opportunity and it's a missed opportunity across the board like i i guess essentially i am saying you assholes you're doing it wrong um so i just contradicted myself a 100 percent there but um you know try well, it, it this opinions, way and so you
0: can say you can say it's just your opinion you know that is right. implied it's my it's my
1: considered opinion that you assholes are doing it wrong
0: <laughs> sir right <laughs> see one game i'm really optimistic about is elite 4 because in looking at uh, many of the development logs and the updates and things one thing they seem to be really trying to get right is functionality everything in the game like if you have a ship design it doesn't have this weird alien looking weird piece of technology on it just because it looks cool it has a thing on it because it does a thing you know that's a thruster uh thing this is a hard point for a weapon this is a floodlight this is a cargo uh hatch this is how the guy gets in and when form follows function everything feels more real uh, True, so I'm hoping- but
1: i hope they don't go too far in that direction to where you know our current level of space technology nothing really looks that cool you know i mean the the curiosity rover kind of looks like johnny five from from short circuit and that's kind of cool but most of it is just um you know, it's it's not something you'd want to pilot across the galaxy. Not that any sure. of it was designed for that. But, like, the space shuttle, it it looks like shit, to be honest. Yeah. And rockets, the space station, none of that looks cool. You know, like, I hope they have at least some eye toward the aesthetics of the And, and I like the practicality aspect of it. I, I really do. And they did that in Frontier. You know, like, if you bought a, a certain radar thing, you would see it spinning it on, your, on your
0: yeah and the fuel scoop right yeah no but the thing is um i think the reason uh, the, the, if i can draw an analogy the space shuttle is the model t right the old cars they looked shit the first cars looked awful but then compare that to a ferrari or you know some snazzy car now that's going to be the difference a car now a, a modern car a modern sports car still is primarily functional it still is made first to work and then tarted it up you know what i mean right and that's the thing with these ships they're going to work like there's going to be nothing that's there that doesn't make sense it's going to all be functional and that's uh you know and because the thing is with a warship or 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 a combat fighter making it look mean is part of its function because part of warfare is psychological. If you make your alien ship, not your alien ship, sorry. If you make your battleship look like a brick, it's not very scary. If you make it look like a like a, a sword with 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 you know horns and spiky bits and scary stuff, and it looks like it came straight from hell, that's going to actually make it a more effective combat. Thing. Yeah,
1: it's why they painted themselves blue and in, and um, in Braveheart,
0: right because it's scary yeah. like what what the hell is that It's also why they wore kilts so they could lift them up at any time and scare the uh reserved englishman by oh you know
1: well it depends i mean <laughs> it depends on the person lifting up the kilt
0: yeah uh, it could just it could just embolden you yeah. like look he's a weak man and scotland
1: <laughs> is pretty cold too so yeah. i have high hopes for that for that game one thing that you told me that was very disheartening for me the one thing I, I loved about frontier or one of the many things that I really liked about it was the ability and nobody else does this and the reasons are obvious, but the ability to land on planets, I think there's gotta be some kind of way, some sort of fractal procedural thing that they could approximize, approximate, approximate, uh, approximate now with approximized turrets, terraforming tires yeah uh but approximate the terraforming so that
0: well they 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 do plan to it is in their plans but not for the initial release like a lot of games it's going to be a stretch um, thing not so much a stretch well it's going to be patched it's going to be patched yeah that's the thing games especially online games are in a constant state of development yeah you know so it's something they will probably add later because wait this is online it can be online or it can be offline. You can play it single player in your own contained universe with no other players, or you can play it in a small network with a few friends, or you can play it in a massively multiplayer online Oh, so way. it scales. So it's, it's scale, it scales to all those different uh, things. And I kind of like the, uh, the idea of that because you can sort of get together with some, some friends and sort of plan some kind of thing to mess with the market of a planet. Like so, you can just go in there and buy up all the uh, the food or, or or all of some trade good, then leave, and then wait for the demo- wait for them to realize, uh, oh shit, we uh we haven't got any of our f- we haven't got any food. Let's raise the price of food. Then you come back and sell it back to them at a higher price when the, the market is uh, is drained and things like that. You can manipulate the market. And, Did we talk about and the guy like in
1: Eve Online who created a bank? and and everybody on the server and it may have been that there it may be that there's only one even, but everybody was beholding to this bank mm. and he it was this huge system that this man created um that everyone was dependent on him and he made uh, just ridiculous absurd amounts of in-game currency right. and then he bought this ridiculous spaceship um just immense battleship thing sailed off into the distance or or flew off into the distance and told everybody to fuck off and dared them to come after him
0: (laughs) so what happened how did that get resolved
1: i think nobody's actually caught him and the eve online people let it go because that's just you know it's it's part of the sandbox you know right and yeah. uh, you know people were it was uh, people were so universally afflicted that i guess they just all had to start over
0: yeah uh, it's uh, it, it and that's one of the things that makes a game like that really interesting you see that's what so many mmos it's like every player is doing the exact same thing i like oh there's 10,000 only ones who are the heroes of you know fantasy town right and it's kind of so boring to do it that way the the I would play Eve online if it was well, if it if it didn't have a monthly cost, and I can't really commit to that. But it just seems like they're actually taking the massively multiplayer thing and doing something good with it, where they're making it, making a world out of the interactions of thousands of people, and that's what's really interesting about a massively multiplayer game. And that's what I think Elite is going to be like because I hope so. you can do these things where you can influence the stock markets and you can. There are going to be these like giant capital ships, which could only be taken out by a huge fleet of players. Um, and
1: and it's not so much you're being sent on quests as you're courting work for hire.
0: Yeah, the the goals are player set rather than game set. Right, and that's um, it's kind of, that's the essence of a sandbox. Really, is that you create your own goals, and the goal of a sandbox game is to create a world in which you can do that. Did he? Did he
1: retain that property? Did Braben retain the Elite name?
0: Yeah, he's. Well, he's. The Frontier Developments has been making games since. They did Rollercoaster Tycoon, that series, and uh, a few other games, I'm not sure exactly. But they kept the games company going, and they still have all the rights to Elite. So it's, you know, it's, we're going to see all the same uh, ships, you know, things like the Sidewinder. There's all these great uh, development logs showing all this concept art and it's all really cool and this is where i you know get in this information about the uh the functionality of things and stuff and it, it just and uh there's a youtube channel where Braben himself is talking about some of the things in that are going to be in you know, development logs of things that are going to be in the game uh and the trading system and uh some of the different roles you can have and and things like in 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 frontier if you buy some fruits and vegetables somewhere they're the same fruits and vegetables everywhere if you go 100 light years to sell them you make as much money if you went four light years to sell them at the same kind of system but in this it will be like if you take something a long way it'll be like these exotic fruits and vegetables from this alien world really far away and you'll make tons more money
1: yeah it's not just generic interchangeable fruits and vegetables
0: yeah it's uh and there's just gonna be so much more done with it and it's it's really i really wasn't sure this game was going to actually come about because it was just promised for like 10 years we were waiting for it and you know the thing is the technology wasn't really there to do with it what its potential demanded it just seems like now is the right time to do it and i'm i'm just so glad it's coming about and even though like like you said that the planet's not being landable is is a downside one of the things that i have the most reservations about is that Frontier, the thing that made it really special, was the realistic scale of it. Like, that you could go from the scale of a small fighter that's like a few meters long, up to the size of a gas giant, and it was all realistically scaled. Like, if you see a planet in any other space game, it's not really that big. You can't get that close to it. You can't actually move around in space in realistic dimensions. The problem is, though, that, being massively multiplayer online, being multiplayer of any kind, means you can't have any compressible time. You can't have a Star Dreamer, so you can't, unless you're going to have faster and light travel in system, which you're not going to have, you can't necessarily have the same kind of scale. You can't fly past a, a white dwarf like I did in, with Van Mar and the Star in my Frontier Fundamental series at speed and, and, and see it happen because you're always going to be moving in real time. Now, I think there are going to be, like, mini-jumps, like, so you can jump in-system to other planets because you're going to have to. And I think they're going to do away with the whole thing where a week goes by in hyperspace because they have to. Um, But I hope we don't lose that sense of scale uh, because that's one of the things that made it really wonderful.
1: Yeah, you would almost have to make enough in-system jumps so that you could get to... Anywhere that you desired from one point in a system to another.
0: Well, I think that you'll be able to basically specify the location of your jump. So you could just jump to some place. So in it's not going to be nowhere, like. Yeah, either.
1: because, yeah, Frontier wasn't, there weren't gates. You just jumped.
0: Yeah, but you could only jump two systems. You couldn't jump to just interstellar space. Right. Which was annoying because sometimes you wanted to make two jumps to get somewhere. But there wasn't a system in between you and the system you wanted to get to, so he had to take some security route, which was annoying. But you know, that's, uh, that's that might be different. There's so much about it that is still uncertain. But How, what's their ETA? 2014. That's as close as they're giving it. Uh, so probably 2015. Yeah. <laughs> so I I recommend anyone's interested in it follow their their updates and their YouTube channel because it's very encouraging.
1: I'm lost in thought now just thinking about ways you could handle the scale problem without, without well, you, compressing tr-
0: time. You can't. Yeah. Cause you can't compress time in multiplayer. It's just impossible. The trouble is one thing I, I wonder about is how they're going to do the whole stalking a ship through space and finding them and stuff. Uh, because it's not like you can wait at a hyperspace window for someone to emerge because hyperspace will be real time and fairly instantaneous. And, I don't know how it's all gonna work. It's gonna be different, that's the thing. You can't go into this expecting it to be the same. But I'm still very excited about it. Another thing they're gonna do is they're gonna make much more different classes of ships. Some ships are gonna be all-purpose things like the Sidewinder or the Cobra, but some things are gonna be like specifically for transporting passengers. So you're gonna have like a cruise liner ship, which uh because not everyone who's traveling between the stars is gonna wanna be in some, you know botched together passenger cabin in the back of a uh, in the back of a trading ship. So you're going to have rich people who want to be on luxury ships, and uh, so you're going to literally have a luxury yacht. Throat
1: wobbler mangrove.
0: Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Mister luxury yacht, this nose is false. It's made of polystyrene, and uh, your own nose is a butte. No pruning necessary. Please do an operation. Well, all right, all right but only if you're going on a camping holiday with me. He asked me! He asked me! Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Sorry.
1: (laughs) Uh, And we can expect Frontier in 2014. Actually, we can expect it in 2015.
0: We can expect it whenever we We want. We can expect
1: (laughs) to have our hopes crushed in 2014.
0: (laughs) It will be coming sooner or later. Just just try to stay alive until then. So what do you think it is about these? I mean, I don't know if it is the same for you, but the appeal of these space games as opposed to, you know, I, I like RPGs and fantasy games, but for some reason space games just sort of capture my imagination more and my, you know, my wonder and and stuff like that. That's why I'm so into like uh, real astrophysics stuff and that's how I know about gas giants and things.
1: Uh, for me, the appeal of space games is that it gives you a chance to get your hands on potential technology and it sort of makes you sort of hopeful with what are where we can go both technologically and, and physically. Um, Mm. you know, there, there are two frontiers that sort of intermingle and let you let your imagination run wild with the potential for what, what the future of the human race holds,
0: I guess. Right, because you know things like fantasy, even though they contain, uh, they so often look to the past. They look to you know everyone's got swords and no one has any industry or anything. It's all is magic and it's all wonderful, and I really like that environment. But science fiction and space exploration stuff is always looking forward, and you know it like you said about frontiers, like Frontier Elite Two and the Final Frontier. It's all kind of hopeful about. The future and I think once we if we if we're ever going to get to that point to really mature as a species and become and leave the cradle leave the earth and become a space-faring civilization we're going to have to you know we we, we, we respect life so much more than we used to and that's a great thing but we have to take chances if we're going to get into space and we need to take risks and you know when they did the sorry what? Hank
1: Hank talks a bit about this he talks a bit about this in that several people have already signed up to man a mission yeah. to mars that they know that they could never return from
0: right and they know they could die on the way
1: yeah so i i think it's it's really the spirit of adventure that we need to cuz that's basically what that is an, an adventure yeah. is something that's a risk, but promises discovery and reward Mm. beyond what, you know, you, you even the, the rewards are, are incalculable really. Um, because it's, 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 it's the frontier of human experience or your own experience at any rate. Mm. And so I think that's what we, it's not necessarily respect for life. It's just more, we need we need to allow room for adventure to rule our
0: well it's also we've got to we've got to expand so that we're not putting all our eggs in one basket you know one asteroid could end the human story uh, but if we're on multiple planets then that won't we you know we have a chance to keep going
1: that's something that you hear a lot of astronomers talk about a lot of uh, you know like neil degrasse tyson talks about it Uh, michio kaku talks about it we've got to Mm -hmm. we've got to get the hell out of here because whatever is whatever we have evolved into at the time of our sun's demise we'll need a place to go if if there's something still here
0: that's the thing i think if we take if we get a foothold on another planet that will inevitably just propel us out into the into the universe, and we kind of only deserve to survive if we can do that. If you know what I mean, and I'm not uh, brave enough to go into space or risk my life, but there are people who have been, you know, in the uh, when they went to the moon, they didn't know if they were going to come back, and they didn't even know if the lunar man- module was going to be able to launch off the uh, off the surface. So it was possible that they might have had to abandon. Armstrong and Aldrin on the surface to either just starve or kill themselves. And uh, they had a speech written just in case that was going to come up. uh, The president would have to read. And uh, I thought I might read it now. So this is what would have been said if, uh, if Aldrin and Armstrong had died on the moon. And I wonder how this might have changed how we look at space exploration. Would it have been that this would have scared us to never go again? Or would it have emboldened us to not make their their deaths in vain? But anyway, this is the speech. Fate has ordained that the men who went to the moon to explore in peace will stay on the moon to rest in peace. These brave men, Neil Armstrong and Edwin Aldrin, know that there is no hope for their recovery. But they also know that there is hope for mankind in their sacrifice. These two men are laying down their lives in mankind's most noble goal, the search for truth and understanding. They will be mourned by their families and friends. They will be mourned by their nation. They will be mourned by the people of the world. They will be mourned by a Mother Earth that dared to send two of her sons into the unknown. In their exploration, they stirred the people of the world to feel as one. In their sacrifice, they bind more tightly the brotherhood of man. In ancient days, men looked at stars and saw their heroes in the constellations. In modern times, we do much the same, but our heroes are epic men of flesh and blood. Others will follow and surely find their way home. Man's search will not be denied, but these men were the first, and they will remain the foremost in our hearts. For every human being who looks up at the moon and the nights to come will know that there is some corner of another world that is forever mankind.